Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm so happy to be here with you today, and I'm so happy to know you. Did you hear the news? I have got a new kids book coming out in 12 days. I know. We told y'all really close because we want to order books and then like show up. So September 19th, my book for all my mini BFFs called So Happy to Know You releases everywhere. And I cannot wait to put this in your kids' hands. Listen, I would love to personalize a copy for them. Just pre-order your copy by the 19th and then head over to SoHappyToKnowYou.com and fill out that form so I know who to personalize the copy to. I think y'all are going to love this one. So go ahead and pre-order your copy wherever you love to buy books. It'll be there in just a couple of weeks. And then again, so happy to know you.com is where you can fill out the form so that I can sign a book to your kid. We'll send a little personalized book play. It's real cute. Before we dive into today's conversation, I want to tell you about one of our incredible sponsors. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, we love counseling around here. It is such a helpful tool in processing grief and trauma and just all of the normal everyday stuck places we find ourselves in. My counselor has had a huge impact on my life. And even with busy fall schedules, I'm working to make sure regular appointments with her are still a priority. You heard me say it when I had surgery, what's sick and growing in secret needs to come out. And I fully believe that's true with our thought life and our mental health too. If you've never given therapy a try, consider BetterHelp where your session can be done right from home. BetterHelp is the simplest way to get started. You just fill out a little brief questionnaire. We love a quiz, especially about our mental health. And then they match you with a licensed therapist. Finding a therapist that is the right fit for you is so important. And you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So you're sure to be working with someone who is a good match. It's done entirely online and designed to be convenient and flexible and fit in your schedule. It turns out one great way to make your racing thoughts go away is to talk them through. You'll hear that on the podcast today. (laughs) Therapy gives you a place to do that as well so you can get out of those negative thought patterns and find some mental and emotional peace. Get a break from your racing thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun. Today on the show, I get to talk with the brilliant Dr. Alicia Britt Scholey. She's a speaker, a mentor, an award-winning author. Her latest book, The Night is Normal, A Guide Through Spiritual Pain, came out in July. Y'all, it is beautiful. (laughs) We're going to talk about those moments when we feel like we can't hear God, when we feel like we're stuck and alone. And We're going to talk about the Gospels, too, because, duh, and if you're not already listening to Let's Read the Gospels podcast with us, jump over there and subscribe. It is a special conversation about the Gospels today. I think we've all experienced a dark night of the soul, as Dr. Shelley describes, and what she so beautifully reminds us, as do the Gospels, is that seasons like that can be both beneficial and incredibly informative to our faith. I think you're really going to be moved by this one. And I just want to say to those of you listening who you come to this podcast today because you are like, maybe this conversation will help and you are feeling like you're in a really dark night of your life. We see you and we love you and we thought of you today. So here is my conversation with Dr. Alicia Britt Shalee. Alicia, welcome to That Sounds Fun. Thank you for doing this today. Oh, thank you. I've been looking forward to this. Me too. Me too. Now, I think I've told you this before, but I'm going to publicly fawn all over you for a second about how I feel about 40 days of decrease. Have we talked about this? Oh, no, no. I didn't even know you'd read it. Oh my gosh. Our like 
leadership at church, like the pastors and I all did it together a couple of Lent's ago, and it was just life-changing. Thank you so much. Tell me, Uh, what made you sit down and go, okay, I need to do a devotional about Lent? (laughs) Yeah, well, I was working on my doctoral dissertation, and at George Fox, you have the option of having an artifact. And so for an artifact, I wanted to make an offering that was something I could give to others. And since my entire dissertation was on disillusionment as a friend of spiritual formation, I thought, why don't we go ahead and take a discipline, uh, something in our history that perhaps has been lost a bit, and reframe it as an incredible opportunity. The sacredness of decrease really fits well with my long-term 30 years of study on disillusionment. And so here it was, an artifact was offered, and then uh, by God's grace, a publisher wanted to make it um, something that others could read and hold in their hands. A thing I need to tell you up front about our personalities is I identify as an Enneagram 7, so I, I do not like pain. And I do not like <laughs> slow, and I'm not the biggest fan of feelings. And so, as you can imagine, I think, based on what I've read of your work, I think you and I are on the same spectrum, but we're on opposite sides of it. Would that probably be true? <laughs> not sure about that, but I will say that you have just described about 80% of my closest friends yeah, on Earth. Yeah. So I, I, I think we'd be good friends. I totally agree with that. I mean, but your book, The Sacred Slow, I mean, everything I read from you asks me to be better than I can naturally be. I just need you to know. And that was my experience of 40 Days of Decrease where I was like, this woman is brilliant. And I think, tell me why there are so many of us. I am the queen of this camp. Why are there so many of us that have fears about slowness? Uh, well, I mean, nobody is, uh, nobody's wandering around thinking about slow as something sacred. I mean, why on earth do something slow when you could do something fast? Yeah. Because the thought is, the more we can do fast, then the more we can do. So yes, the I do think that. Right? I need you to know that, exactly. that when you say that, I go, where's the lie? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And so the sacred slow, though, it kind of it turns the concept on its head. Because the point is that God, a God who's infinite and a God who's omnipresent, right? Right. God that has no beginning, no ending, a God that is everywhere at the same time, is equally present in every moment. There isn't more of God Mm. in a moment that seems to go faster or less of God in a moment that seems to go slower. So if God is equally present in every single moment, then every slow, steady second of life is just as full of potential to attend to Him and to recognize His love than any second ever has been. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I, you are, you're not wrong. I'm wrong. I just need you to know. I know how this goes. You're not wrong. I just have... Um, then the next question is, where are we rushing to? Like, where am yeah. I trying to get so fast? To what end? Like, till tomorrow? Exactly. Till the next day? It doesn't... I can't reconcile in my own self... How what you say, what I know you're saying is true, that God is equally in every moment. In your Mm -hmm. new book, The Night is Normal, at one point you even say something to the effect of that this whole thing is a journey, not Mm -hmm. a, a spiritual journey, not a goal line to cross. 
Yeah, that's right. A pilgrimage, not a performance. Thank you. Thank you. You quote yeah. yourself better than I did. I apologize. But that is exactly <laughs> it. It's a pilgrimage, not a performance. And that is yes. really hard for me. Mm. I think it's hard for a lot of us. A lot of us. We have this, we want, and it's out of a good place. I just want to say that. I mean, almost everybody I meet, it's out of a good place. I love God. God saved me. God died for me. I want to spend every breath. I want to be spent out, you know, as I'm heading toward heaven. I want to make sure I've been poured out every drop in gratitude and in love for Him. And the thing is, though, that in addition to that heart that's really set in the right place, we need to realize that God never wanted to use us. He's always wanted to love us. And wow. so, oh my gosh. So, ever it is that we're pouring out, we can spend our entire lives busy pouring out without the certainty that we're loved. So, mm. when we slow down and we begin to live loved, we lead differently. But the heart of it is also beautiful. <laughs> That's why it's so captivating. Mm -hmm. um, who wouldn't want to give every last drop? It's not about not giving every last drop. It's about why we're giving, wow. what we're giving out of. And, you know, the friends of mine who just have more capacity than I do, they simply do. They have more dreams, more capacity to fulfill those dreams. This isn't a matter of Martha's morphing into Mary's. It's about Martha and Mary equally doing whatever they do because they first know that they're loved. Mm. Do you know, I have always really disliked that story. <laughs> for this reason, because I because yeah. it always feels the pressure of anyone who connects with Martha at all, you need mm -hmm. to change into a Mary. Yeah, yeah. You know, Martha's authority is what made Mary's intimacy possible. Wow. Martha's the one who had the authority to invite Jesus into the house. Mm -hmm. and yes, because it did. says it's Martha's home. That's yes. right. And she invited Jesus into the home. And even though Jesus speaks about Mary, he speaks to Martha. And so I love them both. Yes. I love them both. We, we don't need to change personalities, Martha and Mary, but all of us, we need to slow down enough to realize that we are already loved and loved more than we could possibly imagine in each day through each night. Mm -hmm. And when you live loved, you live differently. Yeah, that he never intended to use us, but to love us is yeah. something I'm going to have to. <laughs> uh, one of the things our friends listening know is that on my Sabbath, on my Saturdays, if I'm in town or yeah. Sundays, I grieve every every time because mm -hmm. I run so fast during the week that I, yeah. I choose to put all my grief in a bottle and put it uh, on the shelf. And I go, I'll, I'll get to it Saturday. I mean, it's, it's kind of my coping technique to sure. not ignore all. Because the other thing I did in my 20s was feel no sadness. Feel no sadness. Mm -hmm. Just mm -hmm. go, just run. And so what yeah. I've done in my later 30s and early 40s has been, you absolutely should feel all this. And there is an appropriate mm -hmm. way to feel all this. So here is mm -hmm. the strategy currently. So you just gave me yes. a sentence that's for sure going to make me cry tomorrow. <laughs> 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 I feel it now, uh, but I'm putting it in a box yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that I can feel it on Saturday. I, you're, you're right. It's such a beautiful invitation. I have to tell you, Alicia, even the conversation of high capacity versus people who say other people have higher capacity than me. Mm -hmm. I, in my worst moments, I'll confess to you, like a bunch of people aren't listening to us. In my worst moments, when people talk about capacity, it makes me feel more prideful than sorry. 
Mm-hmm. Of like, well, I didn't make myself this way, but are you saying I have a high capacity? Because I probably wouldn't have picked a high capacity, but do I have a high capacity? And so how will you talk a little bit about even that concept and what is the gospel capacity? Like, what is Jesus actually asking us to have capacity-wise? Is he asking people to have a high capacity or is he asking us to slow down and have a low capacity? <laughs> I think consistently throughout the gospels and from the gospels forward, the one thing he's asked of us, the one calling, the one true calling that he gives to every single one of us isn't about capacity. It's about relationship. He says, follow. That's what he's asking to everybody. Follow. Follow is by very nature relational. He wants us to follow him. That's the true calling. So to all the diverse personalities of the 12 and beyond, to all the, you know, the thinkers or the doers or the beers or the relators or whatever Enneagram we might want to put there or Myers-Briggs or however much, you know, we might want to decipher their fivefold giftings sure. or primary gifting clusters. The fact is, to every single one of them, he said, follow. And so whether people are high capacity or low capacity, the challenge is we still tend to want to reduce the spiritual to the mathematical and make faith a formula. This is what I do, and this is how I do it, and this is to the level I can do it. But the thing about formulas is they got faith of relationship, and if follow is anything, it's relational. Mm -hmm. So I think more in terms of follow. My filter is, Jesus, where would following lead you and I together today? And so whether that's into high productivity or sitting and journaling, whether that's into a desert just to sleep <laughs> or whether it's on, you know, some five or six stop speaking engagement, I, it's about follow. So that's really where the tension is. It's not about our dreams. It's not about our capacity. It's about the relationship we're cultivating. And Annie, I think so many times regardless of you know how we would describe ourselves, we're not quite sure Jesus is enough. We're not quite sure follow is enough. Mm-hmm. And so we keep looking over his shoulder for something else, yes. something more, something beyond. Yeah. And sometimes that's what drives us even more than dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think the struggle I find myself in is if I really want to partner with Jesus and like run fast with Jesus— I can also at times be looking over his shoulder, acting like I'm the one who needs to decide where we're going. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's easy to do. And Jesus has a lot of different paces, uh, but all of them were very attentive. Yes. Yeah. He did not run. He walked as far as we can see. So <laughs> I am, yes. yeah. I heard a pastor say recently, it's amazing how slow Jesus went when he knew he only had three years to change the world. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Isn't that I something? Thought, that is embarrassingly wow. true that I've never one time thought about that. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. So matching yeah. with my personality as well, your book, The Night is Normal. I read yeah. so many things that I have never even thought about. It is just incredible. <laughs> I think, first of all, mm. I think people are just going to absolutely love it and have loved it that have already read it. Will you talk a little bit how in the Garden of Eden, there was night before there was sin? That when I tell you, my oh, I got to show you this. We have a mind-blown emoji <laughs> button that we push. Wow, so I got to tell you that it blew my mind when you talked about how before there was sin, there was night. 
Yes, absolutely. In the beginning, in the creation, pre-sin, pre-curse, pre-drama, night was one of the original residents of Eden. There was evening, there was morning, there was day, there was night. There was the greater light to govern the day, the lesser light to govern the night, which means that the night was an original resident. The night is normal. It means that in the beginning, walking with God required day faith and night faith. I mean, from the absolute beginning. From the start. Why does no one teach us that the night is normal? Why is that not taught to us? <laughs> oh my word! Well, that would take a, that would take a while. But I think that our generation, and I mean everybody who's alive today, yes. let me say our age especially, has a difficult time believing this yes. or seeing this and believing it because we have a couple of different errors that have risen to the level of doctrine simultaneously. We have the blurring between emotion and devotion. Mm that has occurred among us. We have how we mistake now, consequently, adrenaline for anointing. Wow. Oh, gosh. A very, right? Right? Hello. Oh. And so we have that, that means we have a really difficult time deciding between the difference between what feels good and what is good. Right. So you've got this kind of trio of dominoes that have been knocked over. Yes. And what is the night? Well, the night's a time when you don't feel great or you don't feel anything. Mm-hmm. You don't know anything for certain, or what you used to know for certain now seems fuzzy. So with those three things in place, Annie, we naturally view the night as spiritual failure instead of spiritual formation. So somebody show me the exit. Yes. You know, uh, how do I delete this? So that's why we don't have a spiritual framework for the night, which means we are missing one of the richest mentors of faith. Uh, Not only is the night normal, but the night's necessary. There's things that grow in the night that are just too weighty to be held by sunshine. I mean, when you talk about the flowers that only grow at night in the book, I mean, oh, gosh. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation to share about one of our amazing partners, FabFitFun. I love FabFitFun. It is the best way to save money on beauty and lifestyle products from brands that you love and discover new brands that you fall in love with, all without overpaying. Plus, if your beauty routine feels redundant and you're wanting to try some new things, FabFitFun makes it easy to refresh your beauty, hair care, and home needs by delivering full-size products, not sample sizes, right to your door at unbelievable discounts. Listen, the Fab Fit Fun box from the fall has some really fun products. Say that sentence three times. There's a super cute duffel bag and a throw blanket, some dry shampoo that I live and believe in, and so much more. It's over $300 worth of products, but you're only paying $59.99. Y'all, that is crazy. Sign up at fabfitfun.com slash that sounds fun. Customize your box and get access to discounts up to 70% off brands like Fenty and Free People and Our Place, just to name a few. And if you're not in love with this season's options, just take the credit to shop their exclusive flash sales of up to 70% off and save on the biggest name brands out there. If you join FabFitFun as a new seasonal member right now, you'll also get 20% off your membership. So your first box is only $47.99. Let's go. That's for up to a $300 value box each season, but it's only while supplies last. So FabFitFun boxes sell out, y'all. So join FabFitFun today and save at FabFitFun. 
fabfitfun.com slash that sounds fun. Fabfitfun.com slash that sounds fun. That link and all the links you could ever hope for conveniently there in the show notes for you. Or you can find them in Friday's AFD Week in Review email and you can sign up to get that also in the show notes. And I've got one more amazing partner to tell you about, Haya Health. With school back in session, I know those germs are flying around again. And I want my mini BFFs to stay as healthy as possible, please. And thank you. I've got a new book for you. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. And that's why Haya was created. It's the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin. While a lot of children's vitamins are filled with 5 grams of sugar and can contribute to a variety of health issues, Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is even approved by those picky eaters. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need with a great taste they love. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables, then filled with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity and energy and brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so parents have one less thing to worry about. Plus, your kids get to decorate the bottle with these really cute stickers. It's so fun. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You get 50% off your first order, you guys. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash that sounds fun. Again, it is H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash that sounds fun and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults and 50% off your first order. Okay, now back to our conversation with Alicia. I'll tell you, I had surgery a couple of weeks ago and it has absolutely changed my rhythms and it's changed my life this month. Mm -hmm. And one of the rhythms that's busted has been my early mornings. And so I have felt like God was quiet in a time when I'm in a lot of pain. Yeah. And one of the central fears in my head is, oh no, don't tell me this is the start of a dark night of the soul. Oh no, don't tell me this is the start of him being quiet. Mm. And I feel so much fear around a dark night of the soul of thinking, Mm -hmm. if the sun is setting, will Mm. I survive not hearing from Mm. God? Mm -hmm. What's going on in me? (laughs) 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 Diagnose me in front of everyone. Because there's got to be other friends who feel this, who start thinking and start panicking if God's quiet for two days or five days or a month. Yes, yes. Well, number one, thank you so much for your honesty and your vulnerability, because I do think a lot of us are afraid. I think that's why a lot of us keep moving. Yeah. Because maybe maybe we'll have that feeling again in the next song that we hear, yes. or in the next book that we read, or in the next retreat that we attend. Yeah, right. The next podcast think, we listen to. That's right. Surely someone somewhere right. can help resurrect that feeling. So. I obviously don't know exactly what's going on within your soul, but in interacting and in monitoring my own soul, to me, there's several different things that occur. One is that I'm not quite sure that I have a theology of my feelings. I tend to go from thinking too much of them to too little of them, (laughs) to treating them as truth's vocal twin or ignoring them as insignificant. And so I'm not quite sure how to spiritually interpret my emotions. Yep. 
a, a theology of emotions yeah. would serve us well. How do we, how I do we build of, one of those? Is there a path to that? Oh, there is. Yes, there really is a path to that. Uh, I think of actually the genius of one of my very first mentors, Annie. You know what she had me do? I mean, I was like, I had just met Jesus a couple minutes ago, right? <laughs> I started university, but I had always loved words. I always loved research. And now all of a sudden, God's alive. Who knew? Yeah. And the very first thing she did was we went to the Bible for four and a half years and we studied. Father God, mm -hmm. then we studied the Holy Spirit, Genesis to Revelation, then we studied Jesus in the New Testament, all the while writing down the emotions each one expressed, wow. the activities of each, how they interacted with humans. And what I didn't know was happening is that there was a theology of emotions. So we go to somewhere like Matthew 26, and Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and you know we went around here in the 40 days of decrease, yes. but... It, there in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, he was sorrowful and troubled, and he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Well, that's not lovely. Yeah, yeah. That's not an easy uh, feeling. Nobody, no, nobody's announcing that on a Sunday morning. Hi, you know, I'm Pastor So-and-so. I'm sorrowful and troubled. <laughs> right. My soul's overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Uh, and so once we realize that Jesus was sinless and sorrowful, Jesus was the truth and he was troubled, mm -hmm. Then we start really, we start building this theology of emotions yeah. that being troubled is not always a sign of a faith deficit. Wow. Being troubled is not always a sign of a faith failure. In fact, in the garden, being troubled was a sign of obedience in the making. Wow. And so when we are troubled, when we are sorrowful, when we sense that dip in emotions, which sidebar, we're living on adrenaline so much, it has to equalize just on a chemical level. Yeah. And we cannot mistake that equalization as failure. But when we're dipping, it gives us a framework to say, hey, listen, those emotions that fit more with the night than the day, Jesus had them too, which means this could be healthy. It means this could be holy. This means this could be obedience in the making. So I think a theology of emotions would serve yeah. our age and our generation well. Yes. Okay, keep going on the other things your soul feels in the yes. fear of the night. Yeah. Well, we've got memory. We've got that amygdala that's working over time mm -hmm. yeah, that records the sadder, more painful experiences of our life. And any time we're even close to a stove that may be turned on, it reminds us. I remember once I was really struggling, Annie, with... Uh, frustration over the way I was responding to something that was similar but not certain to something I had experienced in the path. It was actually my fifth year cancer recurrence. Yes, write about that in the book. My gosh. Yes, yes. And I remember talking with my mentor who's in her 80s, and I was I was pouring out my heart and how frustrated that, you know, I was having these emotions. And she said, oh my goodness, how, how wonderful that your amygdala is doing its job. <laughs> And wow. I said, oh, shoot. Right, right. Go ahead and be all scientific <laughs> with right. me. But, but she was right. My amygdala recorded things that had taken my breath away in the past. Yeah. I'm approaching another scan. Scans have absolutely changed the trajectory of our family. Yeah. It's okay that I'm anxious. It's okay that I'm experiencing this. She said, but Alicia, even though your amygdala remembers the past, it's not a profit about your future. Wow. So you need to talk back to it. Oh, wow. You need to talk back to it and say, yeah, that yeah. was a painful time, but I've had nine more scans that had good news, yeah. or two more scans that had good news. Yeah. So she really encouraged me to, I think, both 
acknowledge the way my brain is wired and how that affects my emotions, but also to realize it's not a prophet. It doesn't know the future. It's just reminding me of the painful past. Another thing that comes to my mind is that Jesus is so welcoming of all that is truly me. Just like the Father was welcoming of all that was truly Jesus in the garden. My my honesty is a key to intimacy with God, not the absence of cooperative motions, emotions. That's not what I'm waiting for. Yes. My honesty is the key. Mm-hmm. And, and though I'd love for my emotions to cooperate, I'd love for them to get in line, you know, like kindergartners did on the way to the lunch. <laughs> yeah. But they don't always, but my honesty is what opens the door. So story. When I was little, my dad, who did not believe in God, did a tremendous job putting a face on God in several of the things and ways in which he interacted with me. Daddy would always, ever since I was tiny, Annie, I mean, itty-bitty girl, he would sit me down and he would say, what's the daughter thinking? What kind of questions does the daughter have? I'm the only child, but I'm still called the daughter. And so I would ask all of my questions about the hippopotamus in my dream when I was two and Whatever it happened to me, as I got older, my questions became more complex. And, you know, then we would talk and we watched Johnny Carson and muse the world's problems, you know, till one or two in the morning. Looking back, I do not remember a single answer to any of the questions that I raised, but I remember the safety of asking. Wow. I remember that asking was building trust and trust was building love. And that's what happens with God. We keep thinking what we need is an answer. Actually, what we, all we need really is an offering of honesty. Mm-hmm. That honesty will build trust, and that trust will lead us into love. So we bring who we really are into the room. I love in the book where you talk about how the Bible says God is love, not God is trust. That like yeah. love is this, like that is should be what we lean on is the love mm-hmm. part. Oh, you just... When I tell you I teared up 112 times reading your book, it's great. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Will you talk a little? I think one of the questions, one of my fears about going into dark nights of the soul, which I I'm, I have had hard seasons. I don't know that I've ever had one of those. When people talk about having a dark night of the soul, they talk yeah. about like a once in a lifetime hurricane kind of feel. Hmm. And so I don't know if I've had that. But there's a point early in the book where you talk about the difference between spiritual darkness and spiritual death. Can you kind of define those for us so we can figure out whether are we in some sort of spiral that we need like help getting out of, or is this just the night (laughs) and the clock will tick and it will become day again? Yes. Well, honestly, wherever we are, even if it's broad daylight, I think we all need a ton of help. Yeah, well, amen. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Right, right. I'm a major fan of you know, people who love Jesus offering me therapy, yes. sign me up, sign all my children up, yes. sign all my friends yes. up. And so I tried to be surrounded by a, a host of uh, like a good therapist yes. and great friends and solid mentors, whether I think I'm in the day or I'm in the night. I think one of the things that helps clear up this, this contrast between spiritual darkness and spiritual death are two other words that I use in the book, the distinction between disillusionment and despair. Yes. And so we spend a lot of time talking about disillusionment in uh, The Night is Normal. And really what, what spiritual pain is, what disillusionment is, is the losing of some illusions, which means you get to gain some reality. Yeah. 
I think when we are first beginning to walk with Jesus, and I don't know about you, but having been an atheist and then all of a sudden, you know, going from there is no God to, oh my God, you know, in about 90 minutes. Uh, oh, it was like the world was all of a sudden full color and I could feel God's presence everywhere I went. And every time I opened the Bible, I could hear his voice. It was just stunning. And then I started moving into my first night. I don't talk about dark nights as much as I just talk about night yeah. because nights are yeah. normal. Nights are Some normal. are deeper than others. Some are longer than others. But I've had a whole lot of nights yeah. in the last 30-something years. So I start walking into the night where things start becoming a little less bright and a little less certain. But what I'm doing is I'm losing some illusions. I'm losing some illusions about God that are just as normal as the illusions that a baby has about their caregiver. Wow. We're losing illusions as we're maturing. So in the beginning, you know, if you were asked the baby, let's say the caregiver is the baby's mother. Mm -hmm. Who is mother? And the baby might say, mother is milk. Right. And later on, mother is face and, you know, eyes. And later on, mother is the one who feeds me and the one who plays with me and the one who takes me to school or whoever the caregiver is. And at each stage in development, the baby's answering honestly, but there's more. there's more. That has always been true. But yes, not revealed. it's always been true, right? And That's so, and here's what happens in our relationship with God. In the beginning, we're like, God is milk. Yeah. And as we lose illusions and we gain reality, we open up a little bit more to the complexity, the beauty, uh-huh. how captivating God is. This is healthy. This isn't loss. This is gain. Wow. And so that spiritual development. That's spiritual maturity, and you contrast disillusionment with despair, where there is no gain on the other side. It's characterized by hopelessness. And as we know, that can lead us into extremely dark places. Yes. And I find myself, as I was reading your book, as I think about this, and it is so timely we're having this conversation because the fear has been so up close to Mm -hmm. me the last couple Mm -hmm. of weeks. You say often in the book, you cannot think your way out of this. You cannot perform your way out of this. And I think I can. I think, okay, the reason God feels quiet is because of me. So let me Mm -hmm. do these practices and let me read more of my Bible. Let me make another appointment with my counselor. And all that's good and right. Because you even say in the book, like, take care of your body. In yes, the night, absolutely. take care, get enough sleep in the night, tie yourself super close to scripture in the night, mm-hmm. serve other people in the night. I mean, you just give us such good handholds, but I also think I can think my way out of it, that I should be able to get out. So <laughs> yes. talk to us about that trapped feeling of yeah. if this starts, I will never get out. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, fear doesn't bow to logic, does not, it? Not very well. <laughs> no. And fear is such a strong emotion. I think sometimes we try to medicate one emotion with another emotion. Mm. But I think the greatest antidote to fear is relationship. I would love to be able to logic my way out of the fear that I have. And Annie, I've got a good bit of it. I I came by it by inheritance. My mama was captivated by fear. My grandmother was paralyzed by fear. Fear is very familiar to me. But I find that it is relationship that leads me, regardless of how long the night is. I, another story. I like stories. Uh, yes, Are stories okay? Yes. Okay. 
All right. So, and I think I told this one in the book, I'm pretty sure. My daughter, we have three children through adoption and our middle child is my baby girl. And we just had, oh my goodness, she's now 20. We just had 21 days in Europe backpacking oh nine gosh. different countries. Oh, it was You're oh amazing that you did that. Oh, what a cool mom oh, move. Geez. Oh, well, she is extraordinary. We had so much fun. But she, in the beginning, you know, what you start noticing, whether it's your niece or your nephew, whoever it happens to be, what kids do, what they love to do. And she loved to dance. Mm-hmm. And so she started ballet at three, loved ballet, loved dance. And by the time she was approaching high school, she was serious. I mean, she was a junior company member at wow. a professional local company. She was planning on graduating and then actually going, you know, trying to get in the junior companies to become, to do ballet for the rest of her life. And she actually had the skills to dream this. Mm. Anyway, we were at a red light, a distracted, not a demonic, but just a distracted driver rear-ended us. Uh, The x-ray showed an L5 fracture. Longer story short, the next two years were a lot of intense physical therapy. And Kiona, man, she hit it hard. She did everything she was asked to do. But she never regained her back towards flexibility. So the dream that she thought God had created her to do Mm. was buried. And she had experienced her mom, you know, 10 year, I'm a 10 year cancer patient. Her eldest brother has autism. It's not like she was unfamiliar with pain, but this was the first time it was, it addressed something that was in her DNA. So we were having a mentoring moment and this is what God brought to my mind. And this is what I would offer. I said, sweetheart, you are really great at living happy with Jesus. You've done it your whole life. You are fantastic at living happy with Jesus. And now you have the opportunity to live sad with Jesus. And that's okay. Because at the end of your life, what's going to have made your life rich actually isn't going to be the happy or the sad. It's going to be the with Jesus. I think it's the with Jesus that carries us through the night, even when we can't feel him. It's the choice to believe that he is here just as much as he was in the daylight that carries us through the night. The night is normal. Even the title has been so hopeful for me because one of the questions I have asked ever since I knew of this concept of God going quiet on people and Jesus being with us but not communicating with us was, why would he want to do that? Why would Mm -hmm. he want to do that? Mm -hmm. And so will you talk a little bit about, you write about it, and then for our friends listening, there's actually two other sections of the book too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> about, about when you're disillusioned with yourself and disillusioned with yes. other people. I read yeah. those as well, but the one that has me crying was been disillusionment with God. But we That's will talk so about right. those too, Alicia, I promise, in a few minutes. But why does God want? Mm-hmm. Why would he? Why is this fun for him? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about fun, but I do think we can say loving. Okay. Which may actually even be more of a theological quandary for us mm-hmm. to accept. Mm-hmm. So let's let's once again look at Jesus again. If we uh, to have a theology of emotions and a theology of life, let's look at Jesus. Jesus is baptized right in the Jordan River. The heavens open. God's voice, Father God's voice, is clarion. This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I well please. A Holy Spirit descends in bodily form like a dove. God speaks in the cool crystal waters of the Jordan when He's surrounded by people who are there seeking as well when he's near John the Baptist. But do we have any record of Father God's voice in the 40 days of the desert that came right after that? Did the Father not love the Son? 
Yeah, he did. He did had already the, said it. Yeah. He, that's right. He loved him. Was the father displeased with the son? No. No. He had already made a public announcement. Yeah. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then Jesus goes into the desert, and we have no record of the father's voice, but the enemy's voice right. is clarion. Right. So when we're in those places where we can't hear anything, we need to remember Jesus' example. It's not because God doesn't love me. In fact, He loves me. It's not because He's not pleased with me. He was pleased with Jesus. It's not because I'm in disobedience. Mm. Obedience led Jesus straight into the desert. Yes. It has led many of the greats straight into the desert. Yes. So what's happening in the desert? The winter, mm. the night, the barren place. Yeah. The last thing we expect. Yes. Our love for God is being purified. Mm. You see, in the daytime, at the Jordan, in the crystal waters, whatever image you want to use, in the day, we think we see clearly, we think we know fully, and it's easy to self-lead. Yes. Yes, because you can see. In the night, right, you can see. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. So we kind of tag with God. Thanks so much. Got it. Yeah. But in the night, you lose the illusion of self-leadership because you can't see. Yeah. You can't feel. You can't hear. And so you have to decide who you trust more. And when we decide in the night, I trust you. Mm-hmm. When we decide in the night, I actually want you more than I want out. Yes. I want you more than I want answers. Yes. I want you more than I want healing. I want you more than I want anything. Mm-hmm. We fall more deeply into love. The kind of love that truly changes the world from the inside out. Yes. Yes. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to share about another amazing partner, Simple Modern. As the weather starts to cool down, fingers crossed it's happening, right? It is time to bring out our best coffee and tea tumblers to keep our drinks hot, and Simple Modern has some great options. With football starting back, bless the Lord, they even have options repping some of your favorite NFL teams. Let's go. Plus, as always, they have their ever-popular 40-ounce Trek tumbler with the handle, one of the hottest tumblers on the internet. Simple Modern is one of the top drinkware providers to Target, Walmart, and Amazon, and they are the perfect brand for getting back into your routines this fall. They have everything from tumblers to lunch bags to packing cubes and totes. But maybe the best part, the best part is they give 10% of their profits to nonprofits. They're committed to causes like solving the water crisis and fighting human trafficking, education, ending homelessness, and helping underprivileged communities. So if you go to simplemodern.com slash that sounds fun and you share your email, you will get a unique discount code just for you. Or you can bundle and save for back to school. This can be your go-to brand for your family. Again, that's simplemodern.com slash that sounds fun. And one last incredible partner to tell you about. Y'all know I love Indeed. If you're using this fall to rebuild your team or if your company is growing and it's time to hire new teammates, let Indeed be your hiring experts. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Finding great talent is so important, but the time it takes can become a second job. No, thank you. That's where Indeed comes in. You can hire faster and better with their matching platform. I'm speaking from experience over here because many of my friends on the That Sounds Fun Network team and the AFD Inc. team came to us through Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites for candidates with the right skills, Indeed does the hard work for 
you. They show you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. And what's even better, Indeed's the only job site where you only pay for applications that meet your must-have requirements. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sounds fun. The offer is good for a limited time, so claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Indeed.com slash sounds fun. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And now back to finish up our conversation with Alicia. I'm glad everybody else is getting to listen to, to my counseling session. I'm glad that <laughs> I'm like, this is why the Lord needs to needed me to hear all this today. I mean, it, it I want to replace the fears of God's quiet with oh, I mean, the reality of it happened. I mean, it's going to happen. It has happened before, it will happen again. So I'm almost yeah. afraid of a guarantee, which feels <laughs> that's like when people talk about fear of death, you're like, there's a promise here, you know? Like I think what what I'm hearing you teach me is there's this opportunity to say, God, would you mature me to appreciate the reality of what you offer in the night? Yes, that we look at we look at Jesus and say, if you love Jesus enough to send him into nights, multiple nights, yeah. I mean, thirty years of anonymity—that's a whole other book. Yeah. <laughs> the wilderness of temptation—that's a night. Uh, being misunderstood, misrepresented, rejected, mm-hmm. Garden of Gethsemane—that's a night. If you love Jesus to send him into a night, then you must really love me to yeah. send me there too. Yeah. I would love to be fearless, Annie. I really would. But I think that that perfect love that casts out all fear is probably waiting for me on the other side. Mm. I don't know that I'll have perfect love here. But I can still follow. And I think that's going to be enough. Yes. Yes, I can still follow. Yeah. All throughout the book, the sections on God and other people and ourself, you go Mm -hmm. back to the Gospels a lot. And we have a podcast called Let's Read the Gospels that it's literally me reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John every month. We've done it every month this year. So this month in September, we're reading in chronological order, which is really Mm. cool because you get such a different experience when you're not reading all of Matthew and all of Mark. Will you talk a little bit about the spiritual pain in the Gospels? Because in the God part, you talk about their pain with Jesus. And then in the other people part, you're like, they had pain with each other. Oh, absolutely. So will you talk a little bit about why is it the Gospels that we can run to when it comes to the night part of our lives? Yes. Well, again, I'll back up a little bit. One of the studies that I did, I was talking about all the studies that I did in a long, 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 long time ago. I did a study, Genesis to Revelation, of every instance of spiritual pain I could find in the Scripture. Yes. Everyone. Genesis to Revelation. And it was it took forever, and it was absolutely fabulous. That's the kind of study that I just, I feel like I'm feasting. Yes, yes. And, and when, I, when I stood back and I was like, look at all of these instances, do the, any of them have anything in common? It seemed to me that there were three different streams of spiritual pain. Mm-hmm. Spiritual pain with God when He isn't who we thought He was. Spiritual pain regarding ourselves when we aren't who we hoped we were. Yes. And a whole lot of spiritual pain with each other when we're not what we need each other to be. And then I overlaid that with another study just about that type of pain in the Gospels. And I saw that 
the disciples were regularly disillusioned with Jesus. He was always saying things that they were like, what? What? You know, they were regularly disillusioned with themselves. We think, you know, most notably of Peter, you know, I will never deny you. I'll die before I deny you. And then the rooster crows three times. But they were. There were several times where they're like, oh, "Why couldn't we drive that out?" Right? Or we don't understand what you're saying here. Yes. Uh, and then disillusionment with each other. Oh my word! What all the one another's um, throughout the scriptures, yes. but especially in the New Testament, yes. we're anticipating the fact that being together guarantees being wounded. However, mm-hmm. so wounded is a given, yep. but infection is a choice. Wow. Wounded is a given. Infection is a choice. Wow. That's right. So that's what that whole fourth part of the book is about. Wounds are given, but infection, being infected is a choice. So how do I navigate disillusionment with all those other dear people who say they love God? And, you know, and wounded, but not infected. Yes. I, Peter is my guy. Paul, I can take or leave, but Peter is my guy. (laughs) I love Paul's writings. The whole Bible is true. But I just am like, when we get to heaven, I'm not going to be first in line to have coffee with Paul. Y'all can all have him. But I love Peter. And I really, I just taught at a college ministry this week. And I, I said to them, I feel like that moment where so many disciples abandoned Jesus. And Peter says, where else would I go? Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I feel like that's as yeah. much the core of Peter as his reinstating in John. Like, I feel like Acts happened yes. because of where else would I go as much as yes. anything, right? And so yeah. so can we, th- those kind of words, when the disciples say that, when when Peter says, where else would I go? Is that one of the things we can tie ourselves to when we're disillusioned with other people, when we're disillusioned with other Christians, with churches, with leaders? Yes. I mean, we've all experienced leaders who have blown their lives up and hurt us in one way or another. Oh, yeah. Is that one of the phrases I can tie myself to is where else would I go? That's right. I I agree. I think that's beautifully said. Where else can we go but to you? Mm -hmm. I I keep thinking, and I think I mentioned this or maybe I just thought it, but I, uh, you know, whenever there's something that's so painful, like, you know, Take your breath away. Yeah. There's nothing like pain that comes from around the table. Yes. There's just yes. nothing like pain yes. that comes from around the table. If I could ever make a case to Jesus why somebody else shouldn't be sitting at that table. That's exactly right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shoot. No, I can't. Yes. If I'm here. Yeah, that's right. If he let God me, knows. He'd be here. He'd be here. Yep. That's right. Wow. So I'll be honest. There's some people I hope I'm not sitting next to at that table for eternity. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. The Lord knows. But... Uh, we're all there equally by grace. Yeah. We're there by grace. You do such a beautiful job writing about grace in the book that you're like, it is the mm-hmm. power of grace. I mean, where you say the principles for navigating disillusionment with self all share a common thread, grace. Grace yes. appears 131 times in my study Bible with 94% of the occurrences in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. I mean, and yes. anything goes religion abuses the gift of grace, but overcoming expecting too much of ourselves in order to avoid expecting too little of ourselves misses grace as well. I mean, mm-hmm. your grace work is incredible, <laughs> the work you do on grace in this book and in your own study. How do we do that well? How do we do grace well? You know, you know, in like five, yeah. in the last five minutes of the show, Alicia, sure, just how sure. do we do grace well with God, ourselves, and other people? You got it. Okay. Here's a thought. Here's a thought. You know, the night is one of the original residents of Eden. We've already established that. Well, another one of the original residents of Eden was our humanity. 
from the beginning. In the beginning, goodness of God, we were human. It means that we were designed to grow, to develop, to mature. It means that I hopefully will know more in 10 years than I know today. Mm -hmm. It means that it's utterly unrealistic for me to punish earlier versions of myself for what this version barely is now grasping. So let me say this. Though Jesus died for our sin, I suggest to you that He did not die for our humanity. Wow. Jesus died for our sin, not for our growth curves. Yeah, wow. Wow, so I'm growing. I'm growing in knowing God. I'm growing. I'm growing in following Jesus. I'm growing. I'm growing in learning how to love others. And Jesus died for my sin along the way, but He didn't die for my growth curves, nor did He die for yours or for that person next to me or that other person across the table, who just wounded me because they're still growing. Right. So for the sin around the table, he covered it. Mm-hmm. He covered it well. He covered it fully. He covered it with more sacrifice than we could possibly ever imagine. He covered it so well. I have received so much that I have plenty to share Right. with others and with myself. Will you talk for just a second to anyone who's listening that is just in the night, that mm. they know it. It's, it is with God, it is with other people. It's that they are not in a community of faith right now because of whatever's happened at their church. Yeah. It's with themselves for the mistake they made. They're not in a community right now because of their own sin that something has mm. happened. Or someone who says, I have no idea how this could have happened, but it is the middle mm. of the night. Yeah. I would say, please don't bail. Please don't give up. Please don't mistake the night for failure. Some of the most powerful voices that have gone before you are right where you are now. In fact, some of the voices that I've ever wanted to hear more than once or twice, some of the authors that I've read in the past, they have walked right where you are walking now. So know that God is with you. Know that Jesus is is with you. Believe it by faith if you need to, but be certain you're not alone. And remember that He sees really well in the dark. So just follow, stay close, and you're going to be right where you need to be. And the night is normal. The night is normal. normal. I mean, the night is normal. I mean, I get to read a lot of books in this role, and I'm not sure I've had a title that told me what I needed to hear clearer Mm. then the night is normal. The night is normal. Yeah, it is. Oh, it's normal. Alicia, is there anything we didn't say about the book that you want to make sure we cover? Oh, well, just that it's really the overflow of 30 years, Annie. It's, you know, every once in a while, you're graced with the opportunity, and I didn't know that I would be, to write a life work. Is this it? This is it. Wow. If there's one thing that I wanted to leave... One of my greatest concerns for this generation is that they would inherit a spiritual framework for processing the night. Because without a spiritual framework, we interpret it as failure, and the enemy siphons us off into an abyss. Yes. Yes. So I pray pray that it speaks, Mm -hmm. and I pray that it speaks after I can speak. It does speak. It has already greatly impacted me. It is going to deeply Mm -hmm. affect my Sabbath this week. (laughs) It is really going to mess with me on another day. (laughs) Well, I I mean, 
I'm so grateful for your work. And I'm uh, these kind of theologies, the ones that say, we know you've been okay so far, and we know you've had hard seasons so far, mm-hmm. but there's a language for what you've experienced. Yes. It is just yes. infinitely helpful. So oh, the you. last question we always ask to turn yeah. a sharp left, and you won't be surprised, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me <laughs> what sounds fun to you. <laughs> You know I had to end it like that. I had to bring it back around. Yes, that sounds fun. Well, I'll be to be honest, sitting down with you for some tea face-to-face sounds really fun. To me as well. Next time you are here, I would love to make that happen. I think it would be so fun. So thank you. And I'm also not a coffee person. I'm a tea person. So There we go. Can you imagine me on coffee? What the world? <laughs> the world does not need. Uh, I love the way coffee smells, but then it stops right yeah. there. It just it just That's stops. It. I love a coffee shop. Yeah. Thank you for offering yep. me tea, coffee shop. So, well, Alicia, I'm so thankful for you. I, I truly, I can't oh. wait to buy you a cup of tea to to begin to thank you for the work you're doing that helps us better process what is natural and reality and yeah. not as scary as I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, thank you. Thank well, thank you, you so much. Oh, you guys, isn't she brilliant? So helpful, just so therapeutic and spiritual and kind. And I'm telling y'all, this book, this book, just the phrase, the night is normal. Hey, make sure you get a copy of it. Get a copy of The Night is Normal and sit with it. Sit with it and read it. I think you're just going to absolutely love it. Be sure you're following her on social media. Tell her thank you so much for being on the show. And if you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. Don't forget, you can find the That Sounds Fun podcast on Instagram as well at That Sounds Fun Podcast. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home. Do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me is Friday Night Football coming up tomorrow. I'm loving some of this Friday Night Football with my high school friends who are playing, so I'm cheering for them. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday with one of my favorites. You are going to love him, Noah Heron. We'll see y'all Monday.